again, those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verdi. Meantime, for another edition of Celia Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio told like it is and always at the highest level. Frank Cravillo here alongside co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing on this Sunday night? I am in Hoover, Alabama for a uh, work trip. Okay. Uh, so... <laughs> um, just outside of Birmingham, and I have a uh, I have a couple of beers here by me. Not the Milwaukee product, because it's really hard to get the Milwaukee product down here. <laughs> uh, celebrating, uh, you know, I'm going to talk baseball here for a minute. Celebrating my Milwaukee Brewers sweep of the Colorado Rockies, um, and uh, now on to the National League Championship Series. Hopefully against your Atlanta Braves, if they can get their act together here. If they so, can score some runs. If they could score some runs, right, right. It's just like our angst with Milan. It's all, it's all wonderful, <laughs> but score some damn goals. Now they're finally scoring some damn goals. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's good. So yeah, you know, all, all good here. Um, how about you? How are things? How's the baby? How's the, uh, how's the sleep? Sleep is at a minimal at this point, but I got, I'm getting more than my wife. Um, things are good though. Uh, today, uh, I, I was watching the, the Milan game with my, with a little one and. He was quiet. I put him down for like a second, started crying, picked him up, put him back in front of the screen and started being quiet again. So I think he likes watching Milan. There you go. He's hooked. He's hooked. <laughs> so, and uh, my son watched uh, the Milan game with me this morning as well. And, uh, you know, he's a Juve fan, but uh, he he's happy. <laughs> I don't know what this means, but he's happy when Milan win because that means daddy's happy. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I don't know if he just... I'm not a violent dad, so I was going to ask you, does Daddy break things when Milan lose? <laughs> so you don't get violent, just start beating the kids. So, oh, good lord! It just was, uh, you know what they say. Wait, wait till wait till your boy gets to be six and a half, like my son. He's going to just start saying some things. So, <laughs> so. It's going to have a mind of its own. That's where I'm at. You've got a long, long way to go. Just enjoy, enjoy him while he can be mute for the most part. Um, <laughs> so um, we have, uh, you know, a few things. Obviously, we're heading into an international break. So Richard and I are going to uh, we're going to recap Europe last week because it was almost a, it was an almost perfect uh, uh, European display by the Serie A teams until Lazio went and screwed it up. Um, and then uh, we will recap match day eight, and then we'll also get into um, uh, Roberto Mancini's called up Azzurri, but uh, I do want to address a little bit of an elephant in the room, Richard, um, and that is the uh, recent allegations here against uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Uh, you know, and you know, I, here's 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 the take that I'm going to give on this, and I understand my political thinking is it, it when it when you talk about podcasts and you talk about football fans and you talk about football writers and podcasters, I, I get the feeling that I'm in the minority, Richard. And it's why I don't spend a lot of time on social media talking politics, because I think every time I've done it in the past, all that turns into is an ugly fight. And I just, I'm not interested in that. So, but we're, we're talking about, we're talking about a serious allegation here, rape. And you know, my take is this. I come from a family of lawyers and, and my dad was a judge. Um, so I'm firmly in, I am firmly of the belief in due process. I'm firmly in of the innocent until proven guilty. I have not spent a lot of time reading about the details or the extent of the allegations or, 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 or gone into detail of what actually happened. Um, but this certainly warrants some attention because this is Serie A's big star now. Um, and, uh, this is going to be interesting the way it goes. I, I don't hang anybody in effigy. Um, I'm a believer in innocent until proven guilty. I, you know, and here in the United States, we obviously just went through that with a Supreme court appointment. Um, and where, what, wherever you sit, um, wherever you sit, uh, whatever side of the political aisle you sit, nobody looked good in that situation. Nobody. OK. And, um, you know, I don't want this to get into a situation in, you know, where Ronaldo is hanged in effigy because we don't know everything. None of us were there. None of us have. And we don't have all the facts. We don't have all the information. I do get that, Richard, the court of public opinion 
um, they liberate much, much faster than due process. Okay. And anytime something scandalous comes up, you know, there are times where there are times where the court of public opinion just wants to believe it. Okay. Because it's, 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 it's news. It's juicy. It's a hot topic and that sort of thing, you know, versus allowing the system to play out, allowing things to get collected. Um, I have no idea what happened 10 years ago, you know, and I, Truthfully, and, 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 and I'll confess, I never looked into it, but I will address a couple of things. One, I'm a big believer in innocent until proven guilty. I'm a big believer in due process. And let there be an investigation here. He, you know, Ronaldo has not been formally charged with anything. Let's not forget that either, okay? Um, but let people do their due diligence and let this, let this sort itself out, okay? That's number one. Number two, Juventus, you wonder why the rest of Serie A and Italy hate you. Um, I, they, they put out a tweet here, um, that was in completely poor taste. Um, and, uh, sh shocking to me, Richard, that, um, shocking to me that, and I don't know, I don't know if it's been taken down since, but this thing was up here for a good two days for everybody to see. And, uh, I'll read, I'll read what was tweeted. Um, here's what Juventus said in response to the allegations against Cristiano Ronaldo. They said, Cristiano Ronaldo has shown in recent months his great professionalism and dedication, which is appreciated by everyone at Juventus. The events allegedly dating back to almost 10 years ago do not change this opinion, which is shared by anyone who has come into contact with this great champion. Assholes. Assholes. Okay? That's not the time to have this kind of tweet. You want to show some support for Cristiano Ronaldo, you go ahead and do it and you find a more you, you, you find something more tasteful to say than this. Okay? Um and the and the fact that they had it up there for I don't know if they still have it up there, I haven't bothered to look, tells me that they're doubling down on what they're saying. Um it's almost like, hey, you know, there's some accusations here. Do you want to say something like, hey, we we respect Cristiano's privacy. We respect that he's innocent until proven guilty. Let's let the legal process play out. I would have been fine with something like that, Richard, coming from his employer. Okay, I'm not fine with this. When there's allegations, um, when there's allegations here, and here's a pro there's a process. This this doesn't sit good with the football community, and I side with everybody who's outraged by what Juventus had to say in their tweets about this. How about you? Yeah, interesting, interesting topic. Um... First of all, that that tweet, those tweets are still up there. I just checked now, and they're still up there. So they haven't bothered wow. to take it down. Um, wow. Let's start with the whole Ronaldo accusations and stuff like that. Um, I, I I'm I'm with you. I don't like to point the finger at someone unless it's it. You know, the facts come out. Um, I just don't. I just this is how I, I I just feel bad about pointing at some pointing the finger at somebody when we don't know all the, all the facts. Um, it, apparently there was a. Um, a police looked into it back like ten years ago, and they never pressed charges back then. Nothing has nothing's come up of it since. Um, there's many stories we've heard in the media about what what transpired that night. Nobody knows really um, right. if he in fact did it. It's deplorable, uh, and he should be out of the out of the game. But we don't know. We we have to wait to see if anything transpires from this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna not judge him yet. I'm just gonna sit back and watch watch this thing unravel and get all the facts. As far as Juventus's Twitter go, I agree with you. Uh, they should not have put it. Like, if they had put, which you know, what we were saying right here, let's wait till the facts come out and then we can decide later on. Okay, great, that's fine. That's what you, that's what you expect. Uh, Portugal came out. They said we're gonna not call them up for the for the for the games. You know, that's a, you understand why they did that. Juventus, they didn't they didn't do that do that, and that's that's their choice. But the way they went about it on Twitter was absolutely the wrong way. Um, our friends over at Unusual Efforts in their podcast, and they ripped into Juventus about this, and it was a big firestorm about that. And you know, uh, totally in agreement with them because I could see why they were pissed off, why everyone else is pissed off, and why am I when I'm pissed off? Um, a lot of people want to say that it was really a person who's behind this Twitter at Juventus that said it. It wasn't from the club. But look, if if you're technically working for the club and you put out a statement, it's everyone around is going to think it's official statement. You know, unless you, unless you put your name out there and say this quote's coming from Dan or something, I don't know what I don't know what the guy's name is. Then that's different. But it's, it, the way it was put out there is that was an official statement from Juventus, and because of that, very poor choice of words. Um, 
Yeah, and like you said, that's why, that's why so many people hate Juventus because stuff like this. Not that they do this all the time, but it's just a, a, another example of why uh, the other Syria fans do not like them. But yeah, it's it's a interesting, interesting situation dating back to what two thousand nine, two thousand ten, or whatever it was when he was with Man- Manchester United, I believe, uh, in Las Vegas. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, it seems for at least for the short term that Portugal are not going to call him up. Until I guess more facts come out, or if any, see if anything comes about this, Juventus seeming like they're going to keep continuing to play Ronaldo, and I guess that's I guess that's their choice. But yeah, as far as Ronaldo goes, I'm just going to hold off and, and wait to see more facts before I I point the finger at him or not. I mean, it's a deplorable act if if that's what happened. Um, but yeah, let's let's see. But yeah, Juventus Twitter they need a they need to do better than that. Come on. I mean, it's just it's a horrible thing to tweet under the circumstances. It's just a horrible thing to tweet. And he, the closest comparison that I could think of as I was racking my brain on this, and we just recently went through this, was Bill Cosby. Okay, I thought he was when I was growing up watching the Cos- you growing up watching the Cosby Show, and the very first stand-up, you know, routine, the very first stand-up comedy show I ever watched was Bill Cosby himself. You know, back in the early '80s. I mean, I you know I think it might even become. I was, I thought he was funny. Okay, so yeah, he's a professional. He's good at what he does, but he's also doing three to ten. Okay. Yeah, exactly. A person's professionalism, a personal professionalism has nothing to do with, you, you know, with, with the allegations. We're learning that people, you, you know, the, you know, the accusations, again, this is going to be an innocent until proven guilty thing, but uh, um, the, the, the agent to the stars, uh, um, Harvey Weinstein, is it? Oh, you know, yeah. facing a ton of accusations right now. Okay. Uh, and he was revered uh, in the acting industry. Uh, you know, I mean, I, who, who didn't thank him whenever they stood up and collected an Oscar uh, over the years? So go back and look at the Oscar speeches. And he's sitting, he, his fat ass is sitting there in the, uh, you know, in, in, in one of the uh, in one of the roles where you'd think one of the actors or directors would be sitting. Let me ask so, you this. Do you think this, I, no, matter the, no matter the outcome of, of this investigation, do you think this puts a, a taint his, 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 how he goes down in history? Ronaldo, that is. <sighs> you know, it shouldn't, right? It shouldn't, but because what he's done on the pitch has been without, you know, I mean, he's been one of the best ever. Um, him and Messi, uh, this generation, are they can compare with any generation almost. Uh, but it's always going to have that stigma over his head now, whether he's found guilty or innocent, right? It shouldn't. Ha- it shouldn't have to. Right. Short term, he'll take a hit. You know, long term, you know, long term, it will be down the pecking order in terms of topics in relation to him. You know, and the reason why I say that is Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, got himself into a little trouble on two occasions early in his career, was never charged either time. Okay, but when you talk about Ben Roethlisberger now, you don't talk, you know, those things don't come up. You know, or they, they, they hardly come up. You know what I'm saying? So, <clears throat> you know, it's uh, in time it kind of goes away, but it, 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 it will be a hit. It will be a stain on his overall legacy. Sure. Um, but it's not something that's going to keep being brought up over and over and over again. I think, And, you know, Zinedine Zidane, his playing career and his coach and his managerial career and everything that he's his, – his legacy <laughs> – I can probably come up with about a dozen things that he did on the pitch or as a manager before I think of, before I even bring up the headbutt on Maradazzi. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so it's just, it's, it's in, it, in time, you know, things cool off and people cool off. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's human nature and it's the element of what time does, you know, not necessarily, doesn't necessarily heal in the case of <clears throat> Ronaldo, but, you know, uh, people tend to let go over time. You kind of get what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah, I got you totally. No, no, that makes sense. Um, so okay. it'll be interesting to see how how things pan out. So, I mean, to sum it up, I'm not judge jury on this. I don't have all the facts. I wasn't there. You weren't there. The people listening weren't there. Nobody knows what happened. Right now, we have some allegations. We have them being looked into. We don't have them being looked into, but they're being looked into. <laughs> um, and we might something might come out of this, or something might say, "Hey, we can't prove it." So, um, you know, does it mean the woman is wrong? Um, 
Does it mean, does it mean the woman is wrong? No, it doesn't mean the woman is wrong. It, you know, it, it, you know, it, 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 it might not be proven. So <clears throat> it's a very sensitive topic and I'm walking on eggshells about it because there's just been so many incidents in relation to, uh, sexual assault and the me too movement and, 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 and all of these things that are going on now, um, that, uh, you kind of got to be careful with what you say, but you also have to afford due process to the accused. And, uh, you know, Ronaldo at the moment has not been charged. So, um, you know, so it's innocent until proven guilty. Juventus, shame on you. Be better than that, especially when you are pretty much carrying the flag for Italian football right now. Um, we need better. And, uh, you know, we're way too early in this process to, to form, you know, for us to even try to form any conclusions. So that's our, that's our spin on, uh, on Cristiano Ronaldo. Let's talk about what happened on the pitch, Richard. How about that? Let's do it. We're going to start with the European roundup. All right, and uh, you gotta love it, Richard. We were four for four in the Champions League, huh? Oh, clean sweep. Gotta love it. Great stuff. I mean, and uh, Juventus got the party started. Uh, they beat uh, Young Boys by a final of three goals to nil, and it's still a very, very. I mean, we, the old lady against the old lady against the young boys. It's, that's <laughs> that's there's something disgusting about that. If your mind is in the gutter. <clears throat> we just had a whole conversation about rape culture and the Me Too movement, and now we're talking about an old lady against some young boys. Uh, <laughs> this is this is going south pretty quickly. Um, but uh, Cristiano Ronaldo suspended. We we've seen Paulo Dybala do this at home against a bad team in the UEFA Champions League before, and he did it again a Hattie for him uh, in the fifth, thirty third, and sixty ninth minute. The fifth minute goal particularly impressive. Leonardo Bonucci's long pass that. He caught on the volley. Um, you know, what else can you say about that goal, Richard? The <clears throat> uh, baller, you know, you got to come, you know, applaud his hand-eye coordination, or yeah, his hand-to-foot coordination, I should say. And uh, well-took goal, beautiful pass by Bonucci. That's, it's, it's something that Bonucci is known for, those long passes, and he hasn't had many of them of late, probably not back until his Juventus days. So, uh, the first, the first go around, and so uh, yeah, good, good goal for him. Good, I'm, I'm sure he's happy to be able to score a goal like that, and in fact, then score two more after that. So, and good for Debal and good for Juventus, because uh, I'm sure Juventini were happy to see him get on the scoreboard after uh, it seems like forever for him with him. Top of Group H on six points, uh, and now a home and away with Manchester United coming up, and. Um, Considering how wildly inconsistent Man United have been, I I I love Juventus to get at least four points out of this, maybe and maybe even six. I just they're just I think they're a level better than Man United, and my evidence is right now Serie A is two for two against the Premier League in the Champions League so far. There you go, and don't look out now, but Valencia will probably overtake Man United after these these games. I mean, based on current form, it seems like uh, Juventus are going to be. Hard to beat in that group. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Uh, Roma getting back on track. 5-0, another Hattie from a City uh, player, uh, this time Aiden Dzeko. Uh He got three. Uh, and then we had Chenji Zunder and Justin Clivert also get on the score sheet. I mean, this was uh, – we're going to talk a little bit about Roma later when we recap the matches, Richard. But there's there's a little bit of a groove here all of a sudden under defense. Chesco, and it starts with – the new role for Lorenzo Pellegrini in that in, in, in a in, it's they're they're into a four two three one where Pellegrini's now sitting there, you know, as more of a central attacking midfielder, and it is working. They finally found a position for Mister Pellegrini. It's been a while because he's been struggling since he came over to Roma, and good for him because it seems like ever since that derby and, and him put it in that position, he's been flourishing. Um, if it wasn't for the substitution uh, for Pastore early on in the derby. Maybe we never would have seen him in this position, but hey, he's in there. He's taking full advantage of it now, and he's making it his own, and good for him because it's been a long time coming since we've said, you know, Pellegrini's been doing well, and, and that's probably back to the Sassuolo days. Sometimes the best, uh, you know, the best boosts to a season is, oh, look what I found. And that's oh, yeah. kind of what oh, happened yeah. here. You know, they just kind of did this out of panic, and, and uh, well, not panic, but, you know, Pastore had to come out with the injury, and, you know, 
I mean, Pellegrini might be playing Pastore out of this uh, out of this starting eleven the way he's the way he's going, and uh, certainly was a catalyst in this game. And then Jekyll with the uh, the three goals. I mean, uh, I mean, this was expected. We thought they'd wipe out Pilsen, and they did. Um, let's get into uh, let's get into happen uh, what happened on Wednesday in Group B. Actually, let's jump back. Uh, Roma. On three points, and uh, that gr- in, in Group G, and that group got thrown wide open with uh, Real Madrid losing at uh, CSK in Moscow. Uh, yeah, try to figure out what's going on in that group, right? <laughs> I mean, right now, Cisco Moscow is actually leading the group with four points, and you're looking back and like, wait, what? Real Madrid's in this group, and they're not in first, and Roma's in third place, and well, tied for second, I guess, if you want to, you want to say. But yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think that the. the It'll stay in this position, but you never know. I mean, it, no one thought Cisco was going to beat Real Madrid, and lo and behold, here's where we are. So they did benefit. I think. I mean, I mean, Real Madrid was massively uh, uh, under strength for that game. Um, Marcelo didn't play. Sergio Ramos didn't play. Gareth Bale didn't play. Um, I think Gareth Bale didn't even make the trip to Russia. Uh, so you know, Lafetigi had to shuffle the pack a little bit, and what he put out there. You know, I kind of looked at this. I didn't watch this game, but I looked at it statistically, and it looked like Real Madrid did everything that did everything but score. Um, but uh, CSK and Moscow, you know, took their one chance and then defended for their lives and came away with the three points. So, while you know, I think this group standing is bad optics. I think that CSK and Moscow will eventually crash back down to earth. Um, Roma get them over the course of the next couple of games. The way Roma are playing, and I don't, I still think CSKA don't defend very well. I think that. They were a little fortunate here in this win over Real Madrid. I think Roma take care of business, get a minimum of four points out of this, and, and jump in front of CSKA and work their way back into one of those top two places to get to the next round. What do you think? Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, based if you just look on, on player ability alone, uh, Roma should do this. And like you said, now, as, as of the Derby, they've come into form, playing much, much better now. Pellegrini has revitalized his uh, his his career basically with his new position and um you gotta favor for favor roma in this and you save francesco because he's at least last year he proved how um a wonderful tactician he can be in the champions league and so i would not i would not hold it against him to to get at least four points uh, against Suska home and away agreed agreed um so that's uh that's what's happened on the uh, tuesday games the wednesday games we'll start with uh, psv and inter uh, great goal by Pablo Rosario to put PSV ahead, but yeah. Inter do come back. Raja Nangalan with an equalizer, and then Moro Icardi on the hour giving Inter a two-one win at PSV. I mean, you and Ken thought this would be a. I thought Inter. I, I thought Inter would scratch out three points here. You guys thought PSV could win this game. I, I think I, I gotta go back. Did I say two-one last week? I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, so. yeah, it w- and it was a scratch out win. I think you know PSV proved their might, uh, scoring early with a beautiful goal. They were pretty, they were pretty good in the game. Um, they benefited from an offside goal, in my opinion, but there's no VAR to contest that, as well as a, a horrible play by the goalkeeper that you know resulted in the Inter goal. So Inter found a way as they as they did against Tottenham to get the results, and then really the result is all that matters. Um, Inter sit. Well, I'll let you. I'll let you tell people where interested, but they beat Tottenham and they beat PSV, which are two pretty good teams, in my opinion. So, yeah, and top of top of Group B right now, um, where I think a lot of people looked at this and said, okay, it's uh, it's cut and dry. It's going to be Barcelona and Tottenham, and off you go. Well, you know, Tottenham is sitting on zero points now. So, Inter, two games coming up against the Blaugrana. Um, are they ready for this? <laughs> they better be. They have the players that they can play with Barcelona for sure. They just have to. Spalletti has to find a way to shut down the little man uh, who pulls all the strings all over the world. And that's Leo Messi. Um, that if they can find a way to contain him, they can get a win because they certainly have the players. If you look up and down this roster, they have world class players on on Inter squad. Rajan Angolan has played in games like this where he's had to shut down the middle of the pitch, and, he, and he's done it before. So we know he can do it. Perisic, Icardi, they're world class. Um, they got strong defenders, good goalkeeper. They should be up for it. But the question is mentally, are they ready for it? And that's the one I'm not so sure about. Yeah, that's where it's going to get, uh, that's where it's going to get quite interesting. Can the mentality, is the mentality there for them to withstand two games against Barcelona? 
if they can find a way to get a point out of those two games, they're in a great position to go through. Yeah. Um, if they can find a way to get a point out of those two games, they're in a great position to go through. Uh, and we'll see what happens in those PSV Tottenham games, but get a point out of those Barcelona games and you got a shot. Um, that's kind of the way I see it. And finally, we'll save the best for last Napoli Liverpool, which was one of the marquee games of the week. And, uh, we talked about the Juventus Twitter being assholes. Also, we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm passing out some more angst. ESPN FC. Kiss my ass. Seriously. Yeah. Stevie Nichol. I know he's a former Liverpool guy and Burley and Alejandro Moreno, who really doesn't oh. know what he's doing up there. And all. There's 10 minutes left in the game. You got to do this. You got to do that. And Klopp didn't do this. And Salah's struggling and all this stuff. You know what? Not one comment about how Ancelotti made adjustments, made substitutions, and went for it and went for the win. Not one. I'm getting sick and tired of those jerks at ESPNSC. Sick and tired of it. You know? You know, not one ounce of credit. So, Carlo Ancelotti, bravo. You outmanaged Jurgen Klopp and beat him and got the three points he deserved and deserved to be in the position that you're in on, on four points, top of the group. There's my rant. <laughs> no, and it's well, well placed because it's true. All we hear is this English bias towards Liverpool and, and, and all the English teams. Not giving credit where credit is due. Ancelotti did the Italian job on Liverpool as he always does in Champions League, because he is a tournament manager. He's not a a, a league manager, um, even though he has won many you know league titles. His his butter his bread and butter is in the Champions League and in these tournaments, and he's proven why. He's a he's a masterful tactician. He finds ways to shut people shut teams down. I mean, Liverpool didn't have that many opportunities compared to Napoli in that in that in this game. And you know we saw in preseason, no Liverpool won five nothing. They're the best team on the planet since you know best thing since sliced bread. That's preseason. And Chelsea just he just like weeks into the job with his new team. It it's preseason. Come on. So this is what Ancelotti does. He finds ways to break teams down, you know whatever their their strengths are, and and mitigates that, and and then allows their team to take over and, and Napoli do what Napoli things do and. You know, Callejon, Mertens, Insigne were all dangerous in this matchup. They know where each other are with their eyes closed. And we saw that on the game-winning goal with Callejon with a beautiful pass. I mean, he could not have done any better of a job uh, to find uh, Insigne there. Oh, it was a beautiful play. Yeah, it was. It was perfect. You know, congratulations, I mean, to Napoli now to be in the position that they're in. You know, We'll see what happens over the next couple of games against PSG, but you know that the old master is going to have a trick or two up his sleeve. He's not going to have his charges phased by the fact that PSG went to Zvena Zvezda and, and scored six because he's also going to point up, you know what, boys? They also gave up one. So, yeah. um, you know, man, I think they can get four points from PSG. I, you know, I made the prediction that Napoli will qualify from this group at the expense of PSG. I don't think they're going to have it all right under Tuchel in the first half of the season. And I think that Ancelotti is exactly the kind of manager with this Napoli team to be able to take advantage. Um, so I'm not ruling out four points. I certainly don't think they're going to beat him in both games. But if they can win the one, win at the San Paolo, which I definitely think they can do, and they think it's just somehow find a way to sneak in, to sneak in and get a point, then all of a sudden Napoli look really, really good for qualification. Yeah, if if, they, if if Napoli shows up the way they showed up against Liverpool, um, it's going to be awfully tough with for PSG. No matter how good they're playing right now with Mbappe and Neymar and Cavani, if if they you know if they play the way they played against Liverpool, they're going to shut them down or, or mitigate their chances, minimize their chances. But it'll be interesting to see how how it does. And obviously at home it'll be easier to do than against than than when they're in Paris, but. They they can do it. Man, they have the manager to be able to do that. Um, may, now the question is, were they just on a revenge kick or or what with Liverpool and and you know trying to get redemption for the preseason that maybe inspired them to play even better? Who knows? Uh, but I think this team is good enough to do that again against Paris Saint Germain in both the first and second leg, or you know the two game two games matched week four, three and four. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It's gonna be it must be gonna be must see TV for sure. Uh, yeah, um, 
it's uh, those are going to be two exciting games. Man, we got some we got some good ones. Not only with PSG for the next two match days, Inter with uh, Barcelona for the next two match days, Juve with Man United. Giddy up! Uh, it's going to be fun, and I can't wait to see. This is going to be a great advert for City because I think they're going to win. I, I feel the way they're all running. I feel that they're going to win. They're they're going to take care of business, and they're going to show well in the majority of these things. So, uh, you know, certainly looking forward to it. Europa League, real quick. Uh, Milan in Group F. Uh, Started off dominating Olympiacos, and then uh, your typical Milan, typical Milan style, you know, dominate the possession, dominate the chances, and then Olympiacos goes the other way and scores one. Um, they fall behind one nil, but they roar back and win three one thanks to uh, Gattuso made good substitutions. Richard, can you believe that? Look at now, but he's actually figuring it out how to be a manager. Look at him. Yeah. Uh, Cutrone coming on, getting a brace, Higuain getting a goal, Milan three, Olympiacos one. And then it's Lazio who screwed up the possible six for six for Serie A, uh, losing at Eintracht Frankfurt uh, by three goals to one. Is that the right score? Four one, four one. Four, four, oh, geez, it's even worse, four one. Um, yeah, four one. Excuse me on that. Um and uh, But Lazio's intentions were good. They had the lead through Marco Parolo, but then uh, got blown away after that. Filip Kostic, Lugijovic. And actually, I'm sorry, Frankfurt did have the lead early. Dani Da Costa, Parolo equalized. And then it was Kostic and Jovic, and then Da Costa getting a second goal. Um, you know, I just, you know, I'm, ex- I'm purposely butchering this uh, recap of the uh, Eintracht-Lazio game, Richard, because I'm so pissed off that they couldn't make it six for six for uh city <laughs> the fact that yeah the fact that they lost two guys to red cards you know didn't help matters it, it was already they're already in for a fight before the red cards and then they give up those you know lose two players and then of course you know frankfurt gonna take advantage of that yeah it's Lazio did not print a pretty picture for syria as they didn't do against salzburg at the end of last year so uh, lazio with their helter skelter play jekyll and hyde hyde showed up today Mm. Yeah, and uh, two back to back games now with Marseille uh, coming up for them. Uh, Milan will go back to back with Batiste, which Europa League gets a little different. You just want to finish in one of the top two spots. Um, Marseille struggled to a 2 2 draw against Apollon and also lost to this Frankfurt team. So, um, you know, they so it's Frankfurt in first, Lazio in second, uh, interestingly enough. But a Marseille team that might still be trying to get their legs under them under uh, Rudy Garcia this season. Um, these are going to be two difficult games for Lazio, aren't they? Uh, they're going to be definitely difficult games, especially at the um, Stade Velodrome, uh, where Marseille is a fantastic team there. And it's going to oh. be difficult for them because it's not only are they playing a hard team, but they're playing against themselves, which we we talk about numerous times how. One minute they're brilliant, next minute they're like they're head scratching. You're like, what are they doing? And so, if they can get out of their own way, they they would leave them in a better position to, you know, finish well and go far. Most of last year's Europa League campaign, they were they were awesome, and then you know their split personality came out during the uh, knockout phase, and and it already seems this season that they've already started this way. Um, it doesn't help the fact that Milinkovic Savic hasn't really. You know, got off and running yet. Luis Alberto is struggling. Uh, Immobile is still scoring, but that's what he does. Um, Marseille are going to prove definitely a, a difficult, you know, difficult task with Payet and Tovan and all the other guys. So, you know, Lazio need to come away with at least, I would say, at least two draws or at least a win and a draw. I think you know they can get four points, but which team shows up is the question. Agreed. Agreed. Um, they're just that's just how they are right now. I mean, they're finding ways to win in Serie A, which I think is a good thing for them. But uh, you know, there's still the suggestion that this kind of uh, this kind of performance can still turn up when you're talking about Lazio. So five out of six, I guess we'll live with it. We thought we were going to get the six for six uh, with Lazio, but uh, they didn't get it done. So, but some uh, some very exciting games coming up, both in the Champions League and the Europa League for Serie A teams, as far as um, understanding what their fortunes are going to be here uh, moving forward. So, uh, so certainly, uh, certainly eager to see how that's all going to go. Your thoughts on what went down in Europe last week? Go to at Serie A sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Now let's recap match week eight. 
Okay. Um, match day eight. Uh, interesting. Um, interesting slate, Richard. Uh, we got back into the habit of seeing goals getting scored. Uh, quite a few, in fact. Let's see. 3, 5, 9, 10, 11, 14. 25, 25 goals, so not too shabby. Not the usual, you know, there's times where we get up to 30 to 32 goals, but 25 goals is a nice little mark here for Serie A, who says, uh, who says Serie A is boring. So, there you go. Um, and I asked, asked Premier League how boring Serie A is. They can't beat any of our Serie A teams right now. <laughs> Well, the action started on Friday. I'll batch the first five games here. Torino and Frosinone, and it was uh, a great goal by Thomas Rincon to get things started in the 20th minute, uh, followed up by a uh, by a goal by Daniele Baselli to open uh, the second half. That put Torino up uh, two goals to nil, uh, but the comeback uh, came quick and fast. Koldaniga getting a goal in the 58th minute. Uh, Ciano with a great goal in the 64th to equalize. Uh, yes, you heard me right. Frosinone scored twice um, this week. Uh, it was against Torino, though, so don't uh, don't get too carried away. But in minute 71, um, I'm going to go ahead and call that the goal of the week. Richard Berenger with the winner for Torino, uh, sealing it off for the Granata and giving them a much-needed three points. Uh, action Saturday in Sardinia. Uh, Cagliari beating Bologna by two goals to nil. Joao Pedro and Pavoletti getting the goals there. Um, Juventus traveled to Udinese in the battle of teams that wear black and white. Uh, Rodrigo Bentancourt scoring in the 33rd minute, and then Cristiano Ronaldo getting another goal uh, for the old lady in the 37th to seal the three points and leave Juventus going into this break a perfect season. Uh, Roma 2, don't let that score fool you. Empoli had a lot of chances in this game. Uh, but yeah. Roma finished their chances, and that's what's the difference between the two teams at the moment. And Zonzi getting Roma ahead, Jekyll with the goal that secured the three points for the Giallorossi. And then Sunday started off uh, with Genoa and Parma. Genoa won, Parma three. Uh, Piontek again, ninth goal of the season. Um, we are going to do that uh, goal tracker right now for Piontek because we seem to need to. Yeah. Uh, his He's on a pace to score 43 goals, Ooh. which would break Gonzalo Higuain's record. Cristiano Ronaldo, eat your heart out. But the <laughs> excitement was short-lived. Rigoni in the 16th minute, and then a great goal by Siligardi in the 26th minute. Who the hell is Siligardi? Um, and then Chirabolo in, yeah, <laughs> and Chirabolo in the 30th minute. Uh, Richard, I mean, looking at these five games, the first one is obvious. The champs just keep winning. They, they they win, you know, pretty or ugly. It doesn't matter to them. They get the three points. Uh, you know, this is why they're the champions. Eventually, I think, you know, all these tight games are going to eventually not go in their favor. But for now, they're they're doing what they need to do. And this is what Juventus does under Max Allegri is just get the, get the win. That's all that matters. Agreed. Agreed. Um, what else jumped out at you from these results? I mean, Roma, resourceful Roma. Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, I think they're. I, I will also say lucky Roma. Uh, Caputo had Caputo had a, a, a number of chances in this game. He even missed a penalty kick in the game, and they still uh, they still lose. I mean, it had, he shamed my family. He shamed he, did, he shamed he my did. family with that penalty. <laughs> I mean, oh, had, he, had he had he put one or two of those away, it would have been a game. But you know, that's the that's the big difference in this game. That like you said. Roma were clinical, and Empoli, and in particular Caputo, were not. So that was that. And then, and the Genoa game was very interesting because obviously Piatek scored. He scored again. Actually, uh, went into it went to goal line review, and the ball like by millimeter stayed not completely across the line, so it didn't count. And then a little bit later, uh, Crescito scored a goal to what they thought leveled the game, or or brought it back within one goal. And nope, he was offside because of VAR. So. VAR was not kind to Genoa on that day. No, they certainly weren't. Um, and probably the only other thing to uh, uh, to take a look at, I mean, you know, with respect to Empoli, and this is where I said patience about them last week because they've got the ability to play. The, you know, they're kind of now the new Milan in that they're they're playing brilliantly. They're actually playing some good stuff. They're just not scoring. Yeah. Exactly. You know, Milan are suddenly figuring out how to score goals, which you'll you'll tell us about here shortly. 
But, you know, that's where Empoli is at right now. And the things are not out of reach. You get Bologna sitting there on seven, Spall on nine, Udinese on eight, Atalanta on six. I, eventually, Atalanta, and you're going to talk, but we're going to talk about them too. Eventually, they're going to get something, they're going to get this figured out. So, um, but uh, I, I don't see Empoli in the bottom three uh, on the way they're playing. And if, if, they, if they can't get out of there, it would be a shame because they play some good football. Absolutely, and so you know, let's let's hope that they can figure it out and get it out and get out of the you know, bottom three because uh, they they play they pass beautifully, they play really well. There's good movement on the team. They just need to find the scoring, and they got Caputo, they got Lagomina, and they just got to figure a way. Just like you said, to get it in the net. And sometimes the first one, once the first one comes, the floodgates open. So, um, speaking of teams that have been trouble finding you know scoring lately, Atalanta they would host uh, Sampdoria. On Sunday, uh, Atalanta, as we said, you know they're a very, very good team. However, they've been struggling as of late. Um, more losses than they would like to admit. Uh, but going into against Sampdoria, Sampdoria have historically been a, a bad road team. But this season, they've had some good, impressive road wins. Um, this one, uh, there'll be one goal in this game. and It'll be actually Luca Tonelli in the, f- in the 76th minute with a header off a corner kick. Uh, that would be the only goal in the game. There were some, you know, opportunities both ways. Golini had several big saves, uh, as did Aduro for Santoria. But uh, the one goal by Tonelli seemed to be the winner. Uh, going into another big game was uh, Lazio and Fiorentina. Fiorentina has been, have been very strong lately, and uh, they've looked like a pretty dominant side this so far this Serie A season. Uh, Lazio, as always, up and down. We never know what we're going to get with them. Um, <laughs> Another the complete opposite Lazio team came from the Europa League game played this this weekend and and one goal was scored and it was by Lazio by of course Ciro Immobile he scored in the 37th minute um, big saves by both goalies in this game Saracosha and and Alban Lafont had big saves kept the scoring down so one nothing Lazio win uh, very impressed with that kind of with that win Frank um, going on to now Milan hosting Kievo. Uh, Kievo have been the the beating stick for all, all Serie A teams this year uh, so far, and and it and it continued this game. Uh, Milan went three to one, two goals a brace by Gonzalo Iguain, a goal in the twenty seventh minute, and a goal in the thirty fourth minute, both assisted by Suzo Fernandez, and then in the fifty sixth minute, Giacomo Bonaventura with a lovely goal. Um, Sergio Pellicier, uh, one of my favorites, he scored late in the sixty third to just get a goal, get the break the clean sheet. Milan can't seem to clean it, keep a clean sheet these days, Frank. Uh, but three to one, Milan win. They're finally starting to score, as you mentioned earlier. Going on to the next game, Napoli hosting Sassuolo. Scoring would start early, and it would be with Adam Unas in the third minute. A beautiful, beautiful goal uh, turnover by the Sassuolo defense. He he kind of lofts it over the defender, and then powerful volley goes past the keeper. One nothing going into halftime. Come out in the second half. Lorenzo Insigne makes an appearance. He he did not start in this game, uh, but his his involvement was uh, was big. Just coming off the short time that he was on the pitch, he would score a beautiful goal in the seventy second minute. That's all Napoli would need. They would win two nothing against Sassuolo, and then in the la- the nightcap of the of this weekend, Spal hosting Inter. Uh, Spal a very difficult team. Um, and they were also, you know, they were pretty good at home. But uh, Inter are the ones who started off in this one. It was Mario Icardi in the 14th minute, giving Inter the lead. Spa would uh, level it with uh, Alberto Paloski in the 72nd minute. But that draw, that, that tie would, was minutes, it only lasted for minutes. That's because Mario Icardi, again, in the 78th minute, just four minutes later, or six minutes later, excuse me, uh, gave Inter the win 2-1. to one. Frank, of these five games, what stood out to you, if anything? Um, Lazio shithoused it against Fiorentina, uh, which I didn't think that Lazio could play that way. Uh, Fiorentina bossed the possession in this game. Um, had, uh, you know, I mean, there were, there was equal chances certainly. Uh, but, um, you know, good, but good for Simone and Zaghi to find the resources. I actually thought that Fiorentina were going to win. Uh, you know, Lazio coming back from Germany, having to travel, uh, Fiorentina rested, ready to go, uh, a chance for them to make a statement as a real player here in, uh, the, uh, conversation for European places. And, um, 
you know, it didn't, uh, it didn't work out that way for them. Uh, you know, Milan, obviously that's a, you know, this is exactly the kind of game that they would have dropped points in the past, uh, where you expect them to walk away with three points. It looks like they finally are playing with a confidence. And I think that if there's somebody that's upset, uh, about this international break, it's Milan, you know, now they're finally getting into a rhythm Four one at Sassuolo, three, one, four, about 10 goals in the last three games in all comps, you know, the goals are starting to fly. So, um, I'm encouraged with the derby coming up after the international break as a Milan fan that Gonzalo Higuain did not get called up by Argentina. He can stay back and train. So, um, and be ready for the derby. Um, Atalanta, I, you know, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, they just can't find the net. They've yeah. they got the they got the opportunities, but they just can't put in the net. <laughs> yeah, and Duvan Zapata started. Papu Gomez started. I mean, is it time to play Ilicic and Papu together behind? I mean, I think yes, to me yes. the ideal front three is you have Papu, Ilicic, and Zapata. You know, but Gasparini wants to play, and, 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 and rightfully so. There's some players in here that have been pretty, you know, that have performed pretty admirably. Pasolic has been very helpful for them. Uh, Castan has certainly been very good on the right. Uh, I know in the past he's tried to give a lot of playing time to Emiliano Rigoni, who's off to a decent start this season. But for me, you got to start Ilicic, uh, Papu Gomez, and, and have them start behind um Duvan Zapata I that is the optimal front three for Atalanta going forward and it's 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 a little surprising to me that that uh that that Gasparini has hardly used that so you know Sassuolo I think you know they're finally getting found out um you know after the home match against Milan and then having to travel to Napoli um, and you know, I think you know. So, and then Inter, not terribly surprised. I thought they'd go to Spal and win the game. I thought it would. I thought it would be tight. I didn't think Spal would score, but uh, but Inter get the job done as well. So that's just kind of how I look at those five games in a nutshell. Yeah, and and for me, you know, um, Fiorentina surprised that they couldn't couldn't pull one out against Lazio. Yeah, Lazio should house it, uh, but you'd expect more from Fiorentina, and they just couldn't do it in this one. And Milan, they're finally finding their strikers, and it's. From a personal level, it's it's good to see Milan with a striker. It's been you know it's been since probably the Ibrahimovic days that they yep. had a striker they could they could you know rely on game in and game out game out and Cutrone as well. I mean it's you know I don't think they both would be on the pitch together at the same time would work well unless it's late in the games. But I mean the, you know Suzo and Chalahonolu Chalonolu, uh, excuse me man I, I'm turning like the commentators I'm forgetting how to say his name. <laughs> they're all finding Cutroni and Iguain whenever they're on the pitch, which is great because at the beginning part of the season, they were struggling to find them. And now it seems like they're getting into a groove. It's unfortunate for everybody, uh, I guess, that the, the break is here. But uh, it'll be a mouth-watering derby, no doubt about it, coming on uh, after the break. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Certainly looking forward to... Uh... Certainly looking forward to that. And already they were already trying to promote it on ESPN Plus, and I was getting hyped up. Couldn't wait. Uh, can't wait for that. The Milan Derby uh, on October 21st. Uh, mark your calendars for that one. Um, a winner and loser for you from Match Week 8. Uh, winner for me? Ooh, uh, winner is going to be Parma for me. Uh, they get you know big three points. Uh it's going to help them tremendously in their aid to survive Serie A. Uh, you know, games against like this against Genoa. Genoa, who we've seen this season already, they can score goals led by their Polish striker. Um, they they found ways to win games, and then they go, you know, they go to Genoa, which is a tough place to go to, and get three points. They got three goals in the first half. Uh, well done to them. So they're the winners for me. Losers for me. I'm going to go again with Bologna. Um, I mean, this is a goalkeeping masterpiece, almost, if you will, between Cranio and Skorupski in this one. But Bologna, again, failed to get goals and lose to Cagliari as a team they should be beating. And, and look, look out now, but uh, people in Zaghi might start feeling the, a little bit of warmth under his seat at the bench. I agree, I agree with you there. Um, I'll start with the loser, and it's going to be Fiorentina. This was an opportunity for them to make a statement as a player. Um, in the uh, European places, and they still might be, but if there's going to be some teams, when you take a look at that top six, that perennial top six or seven as it stands right now, if you're going to pick somebody off, Lazio is one of the likely teams that you should be able to go to the Olympico and pick off, especially with the team that Pioli has put together, especially with them coming back from Europa. I think that's a missed opportunity for Fiorentina there. 
um, you know, in their quest to maybe try to finish top six, maybe top seven. Um, and, uh, you know, a winner for me, and, and this is going to be with a bias, but uh, Milan. I mean, ten, like I said, 10 goals in the last three games in all comps. This is what it looks like with the goals. I mean, when you look at the Empoli game, they completely outclassed Empoli in that game and came away 1-1. The Atalanta game, those 45 minutes, that's, that's, that's been a microcosm of what we've seen from Milan here in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, they're just unfortunate to give up the two goals like they did, 2-2 there. Uh, and, and let's not forget, under the radar, and this is a, a very quiet flying under the radar, Milan on a six-match unbeaten run in Serie A. And it's because of those three straight draws. But, you know, uh, winning against Roma, winning at Sassuolo, winning against uh, Chievo, which I know everybody's beating Chievo, but that's fine. Um, you know, and people are not happy with the draws, and I get that. But that's, that's you know, six consecutive games unbeaten. They're figuring three out points. how this... Three points out of a Champions League spot right now, which I would yeah. not think of the way they started. Yeah, three points out of a Champions League spot with a game in hand. And and they're doing all of this and still conceding goals. If they can ever get the defending figured out and stop giving up the – and really, when you look at Milan's goals that they're giving up, it, they're not getting overwhelmed by the opponents. Okay, There's lapses in concentration. They are the classic give up a goal over lapses in concentration. Um, so for me, Milan are the winner. Fiorentina missed opportunity for me there. They're obviously going to have several other opportunities, but in in the meantime, I, I just I, I I think they I think they missed an op, missed a chance here. So um, so that's where I'm going to go. Um, my five goals of the week, Richard. I'm going to go with uh, in at number five. Chiano's goal for Fiorentina was excellent. Um, I'll take Unas's goal at number four. Um, nice piece of individual skill, but I think the Defenders kind of getting caught out of position a little bit. Maybe, uh, you know, the, the, the style points certainly outweigh the actual situation. Um, I love Silly Gardi's goal. I'll put that as number three. Insigne scored a cracker there. He's in at number two. And my goal of the week was Berenguer's winner for Torino against Grosinoni. Yeah, I like that. I like that list. That's, those are all great goals this weekend for sure. Yep, yep. So... So those are our five goals of the week. Uh, give us a winner and loser at Serie Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. We're going to round this thing out with uh, Mancini's called up Azuri. All right. So uh, another round of international friendlies on the horizon. And uh, Roberto Mancini has called up this squad uh, for the uh, upcoming friendly um, in Genoa on October 10th against the Ukraine, and then a Nations League match in uh, short. Is it is it Charsov against Poland? Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> All right, I, that's, I'm just I'm just reading it on this graphic. That's what I think it is. All right, so uh, let's get to the goalkeepers: Alessio Cranio of Cagliari, Gianluigi Donnarumma of Milan, Mattia Panin of Juventus, Salvatore Sirigu of Torino. Cut and dry there. We don't have to spend a lot of time on goalkeep on the goalkeepers, do we? Although no, 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 no. Although Scuffet with a couple of performances here. I mean, yeah. if it wasn't for Scuffet, Udinese would have lost about eight nil to, to Juventus here at the weekend. Yeah, and he had uh, he, he's turned in some pretty good performances lately. So, may if if, if you really want to nitpick, you know Scuffet over Padding, but Padding has just been, you know in the hierarchy for, for quite a long time. It's hard to leave him out. Um, going to defenders, and congratulations, Francesco Achebi, on earning a call-up. Uh, really, really cool story with him, considering everything he's gone through. Uh, Biragi from uh, Fiorentina, Bonucci and Chiellini from Juve, Crescito of Genoa, D'Ambrosio of Inter, Emerson of Chelsea for some reason, uh, Farenzi of Roma, and Romagnoli of Milan, although he suffered an injury. Is he going to get removed? Is, is Mancini going to replace Romagnoli? Or is he going to be fit in time for these games? I'll be waiting to see. I, I'm curious to see uh, whether he'll be ready or not. You know, I say let Caldara play. He needs some pitch time anyway. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's it's uh, yeah. That's the other. You get into the question of well, who does who takes his place? And I think you have enough. Well, maybe you don't because you have you have uh, just a, a Cherby, Bonucci, and Chiellini who are center backs out of out of these guys. So um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, Caldara would be the would be the next name that would come up when you would think. So uh, let's see what Mancini does there. Uh, let's go into uh, the midfield. 
Nicola Barrera of Cagliari, Federico Benedeschi of Juventus, Giacomo Bonaventura of Milan, Roberto Gagliardini of Inter, Jorginho of Chelsea, Lorenzo Pellegrini of Roma, and uh, Marco Verratti of PSG working his way back into the team. And I would var- venture to say they missed Verratti in the two Nations League games against Poland and Portugal. Yeah, he's a he's a pivotal player for the for the national team, and he needs to get back in there so he can assert the the dominance in the midfield that we expect from uh, from from Italia. Um, from this list, you know, I, I like the list really. Bernadeschi's having a fantastic season. Barella is a fantastic player. Boaventura's having a good year. If I would have to make one change, I think I would want to see, and this is a rumor I'm hearing, is Alan from Napoli is thought to be in the in the mix. For the Azzurri, and I'd like to see him be replaced, replacing uh, Gagliardini. That's just oh, me. Great I think Alan is an engine room player that you need. It's going to be box to box. He's going to get all the hustling balls that you need, and, and he's a fantastic player. And, and you just ask any Napoli fan how good a player he is. So I would like to see him inserted in, in the team. But I mean, other than that, you can't go too wrong with this midfield. Four three three, where Jorginho can still sit in his regista role. And I would yeah. love to see Verratti in that Hamshik role, you know, that Napoli Hamshik role, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. playing a little more advanced. I think that that could be something interesting. So um, I don't want them, you know, level with each other in front of a back four. That will not work uh, whatsoever. So, but it looks like, I mean, and we're going to get to the attackers here, but when, you know, <clears throat> I want to get to the attackers here. Uh, Domenico Berardi of uh, Sassuolo, Gianluca Caprari of Sampdoria, well-deserved, uh, Federico Chiesa of Fiorentina, Patrick Cutrone of Milan, Sebastian Giovinco of Toronto FC. Bravo, bravo. Finally, they come to their senses. You don't know unless you get him in the camp, right? Exactly. Um, Ciro Immobile of Lazio, Lorenzo Insigne of Napoli, Simone Zaza of Torino, the obvious omission Andrea Bellotti of Torino does not get called up and I say probably needed because uh, the form hasn't been there personally in, in my opinion yeah it hasn't so. and he's been a I mean he hasn't done anything to you know take a place of Immobile Immobile just bagging goals and anywhere he plays uh, and Bellotti hasn't well he has been you know setting up plays and whatnot he's not scoring the goals and that's what he's getting paid for uh, but you know, good to see Giovinco out there. Uh, I'd like to see him in the lineup with, at the same time with Insigne, just to see what they could do. But uh, we'll see when we get there. But yeah, I like the I like the forward Zaza as much as we've ridiculed him in the past for his uh, penalty kick taking. Um, he's done really well as coming back well, since coming back to Syria, and even you know, obviously in his La Liga days as well, he was playing well. So good for him to be on this team and Cutrone. Uh, good, good to see him on there. I'm gonna give you <clears throat> I'm gonna give you one word to describe this team that Mancini called up. Intent. I see intent with this squad. Yeah. Okay. There's going to be a – they're going to want to – in the Ukraine friendly and in the match at Poland, this is a squad that you put together if you think you can monopolize possession. And because what are the traditional Italy teams? There wouldn't be – there's four center backs in this Italy called up squad. You'd usually see six. Okay. You see a lot of fullbacks here. You see, I mean, how many guys would we classify as actually holding midfielders? Just Gagliardini. You know, Bavera does play a little deeper. Jorginho, by default, plays deeper because that's what's that's what's asked of him because <clears throat> that's where he's best in his playmaking ability. But you look at this team, and I see intent. I see an intent to want to go out and take it to teams. You know, I walked out of I, I came away from the first round of Nations League games saying I don't think Mancini cares about these Nations League games. I don't think he cares if Italy ends up getting relegated down to the to the B flight or whatever, however they do it, <clears throat> because I think he's trying to figure out his team. But to turn around and do this shows me he wants to go for it. You know, they'll get in the game against the Ukraine. He's gonna give some fringe I expect the Ukraine friendly to be something where he gives some fringe guys the opportunity. Poland he's gonna put out his best team. They're going to go for it. They're going to want to try to go out and get the three points and get themselves back into the uh, discussion here as far as how this group is going to play out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know we're going to see Zaza probably start one game and, and Immobile start the other game. But I'd like to see Kutorne come off the bench on both those games because he is a type of super sub that you need. 
Uh, he's the poacher that you know Italy needs. Uh, Immobile is a freaking—he's a goal scorer in Zaza. He's he's been doing his thing. He's a good playmaker so far this year. And the wingers—I mean, I love the wingers on this team. And um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see if Insigne can finally shake off that you know national team rust and and start playing like he does for Napoli because that 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 player for Napoli is a, a worldly player when it comes to national team. He's just an an, an average Joe, and I, and I think he's. I don't know, paying too much respect to his teammates and doesn't want to take the line. I don't know, but he needs to step up. And I, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to do it against you know, especially when they play Poland. Poland is uh, I got some fantastic players on our team and fantastic Serie A players. Uh, you know, I wonder if uh, Piatek's going to be playing. I'm, I'm sure he will, but they got Lewandowski, Milik, and other strikers there as well. So, yeah, it's uh, going to be going to be fun matchups. I can't believe yeah. I'm saying that about national inter, inter, you know international games. I, Mancini's trying to turn the corner of what he wants Italy to be, and it's uh, it's certainly going to be uh, certainly going to be exciting. So I, I I'm looking forward to these games. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing how they're going to play out. It's um, <clears throat> and 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 you know as far as if there's really interest in the Nations League, the game at Poland is a must win. Um, the Ukraine game is fine for getting some different players in there and giving some opportunities, but the Poland game is the one that you need to come away and get three points from. So definitely interesting to see what Italy is going to do. And I, I, you know what? I don't hate this. I don't hate this squad too much. Again, I, I, I'd prefer to see somebody other than Emerson. He's probably the one guy I would not want in this team because um, he just hasn't played enough for Chelsea. Uh, but <clears throat> it's um, – it's what Mancini picked, and I don't know how much of an impact Emerson's going to have in this team anyway. When you have Crescito playing well for uh, for Genoa on that left-hand side, you've got Biragi playing well for Fiorentina. So, you know, it would, it would surprise me to see Emerson get a lot of playing time anyway over these two games. Um, so, should be uh, should be interesting uh, to say the least. Any other uh, comments on the Azzurri? Um, no, just, you know, uh, good to see Cranio finally get a deserved call up that he's a, he's a great goalkeeper and, uh, I like him. he'll be, he'll be a special one. You know, he's not going to be like Donnarumma special, but maybe you never know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I got to split hairs, I, 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 I'd go Scufet over Perrin. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I also know that Perrin has tenure, uh, within the national team. So I, I right. get the selection from that aspect. Um, you know, and I would try to see if there was a way to replace Emerson. Um, I don't know who you would have done it with, but yeah. uh, but that would be the only thing for me. <clears throat> yeah, if there would have been a way to convince him to do the Italian citizenship ship thing and do and move forward from there. So, well, that's going to put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. I know everyone's shocked after we went two hours the last two <laughs> podcasts. That's all we got. <laughs> I mean, we, you can you, you're welcome to listen to Rich and I, Richard and I talk for another hour, uh, but I don't think you care for that. <laughs> so, Play us on repeat. That's all. Yeah, just rewind this and start it again. That's all you got to do. Uh, any any uh, anything you want to shamelessly plug, Richard? Um, do I want to plug anything? Um, not really. I mean, the only thing is, uh, you know, a shout out to the Curva Medica guys. Met a couple of them last week uh, after DC United game. Um, other than that, not really. Just uh, hope the Braves win uh, tonight. That's the only thing. Score a run. <laughs> Find a way to win the next. Find a way to, way to win all three of these games, okay? And uh, you know, my uh, my Brewers are my Brewers are waiting, Richard. My Brewers are waiting. So, hey, um, Braves just hit a grand slam. There you go. There you go. There's hope. There's there's those runs you were asking for. There you go. All right. <laughs> um, I'm at FTC underscore twenty one. Uh, Calcio Consultant is on hiatus. Uh, also, the videos of the Fearless Five is uh, you know whenever I can get to it. But I did do the. Picks this week, and I went four out of five again. I got the uh, Lazio-Fiorentina game wrong. That was my shock. I thought that Fiorentina could win that game. So um, hitting about 69% of my picks, and that's correct results, and I've got a one in three chance of getting correct results. So uh, got Juve right, got Milan right, got uh, Napoli right, and I got Inter right. So uh, just missed on the uh, Fiorentina Lazio-Fiorentina game. So 69% there. So... Uh, when we come back from the international break, I'll come up with another three of us five, but, uh, gonna, gonna take, gonna, gonna put this all on the back burner and just enjoy the Azuri at the moment. So, uh, at City, I sit down on Twitter, or Instagram, you can go there. Um, we're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. You can subscribe. We have our own pages there. Do we have our own page on Stitcher, Richard? 
Uh, no, but you can find it. You know, all you can do is look up Serious Sit Down, and you'll you'll definitely can find our our our, our podcast there. Anywhere anywhere that streams music, you just type in Serious Sit Down, and we'll be there for sure. Subscribe, comment, uh, opinions, uh, anything we can do to make the podcast better, anything that you would like us to cover, we'd be happy to uh, try to tackle it for you, um, and then and then go from there. So. You know, thank you for taking your time to listening to us on the Serie A Sit Down, a podcast of World Football Index. Uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. Thanks for listening, and be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.